Welcome to Seek and Find with Dr. Mark Rivera, the podcast where we explore the big questions of faith, life, and meaning. In this episode, we'll be diving into the world of spiritual disciplines and exploring their origins, importance, and practical applications for our lives today. Dr. Rivera is here to guide us through this fascinating and vital topic, helping us to understand the purpose and value of spiritual disciplines and offering practical advice on how we can integrate them into our daily lives. Dr. Rivera, thanks for taking time once again to explore the transformative power of spiritual disciplines in our lives today. Well, I'm so glad to join you in this edition and and also to reconnect with the audience that so graciously connects with us uh, as we prepare these sessions and and these podcasts. And uh, I appreciate it you know, everyone's presence and, and, and the interaction that you and I can actually have that will be helpful, not only to ourselves, but, you know, to the audience that's connecting with us. And particularly on this such important topic as spiritual disciplines. And, you know, in my view, this is probably the most important aspect of our Christian walk or mm. our faith walk. In fact, it even because I'm aware that in the audience listening to us, there are also people of other traditions. But every single tradition has spiritual disciplines. And I believe that this is the most important thing that we need to do apart from coming to the altar in the Christian environment and, and accepting the Lord, right, and, and receiving him. And then, of course, the ordinances of the church, you know, where you have communion and you have board of baptism. I think immediately part of our move toward developing disciples and developing leaders and developing people, believers, so they, they can be as strong as they can be, is really through spiritual disciplines. And oftentimes, not enough time is given to explain that and to talk about that. So hopefully, in this session, we'll be able to bring some clarity and provide some direction for people to see, one, the importance of this, uh, and then also how can you apply it to our lives, and what are the expected benefits and results as we you know, dive into spiritual disciplines. Yeah, you know, on that point, uh, you know, before we dive into some of the specific uh, d- spiritual disciplines, breaking down each one, um, I think you kind of briefly mentioned a, a quick point. It, it isn't necessarily uh, spiritual disciplines isn't the key to salvation. I think it might be good to kind of make that distinction too, right? Yes. The, the salvation and spiritual disciplines are kind of two different things. So you can't necessarily uh, follow the traditions and practices of spiritual disciplines in the hopes of salvation. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a separate Thing. So here is more. Well, and, and with that being said, so what is the purpose before we start breaking it down? What's right. the purpose? Why are we talking about spiritual disciplines? I, I thank you for making that clear distinction. And the only thing biblically that comes to my mind right now when you made that separation there is the guy at the cross. Right. He didn't yeah. have a, he didn't have an opportunity to and we just finished Holy Week. So he didn't have an opportunity to exercise himself into holiness, That's right? That's a good point, very good point. Uh, but rather, the Lord told him right there, you know, today you will be will be in paradise. So absolutely true what you just mentioned, and it's important to note that, that it has nothing, it's actually subsequent to salvation. It's subsequent, subsequent yeah. to coming into faith, to receiving Christ. Now, what do you do moving forward? And oftentimes, and clergy are, are guilty of this, and, and even some church programming, we get people involved. How can we insert them into a program? How we can we use their skills, mm. abilities, giftings, and on and on and on to help the work of ministry and the work of the kingdom? This is not that. Mm. This is really very personal and individual. How can we, and is there is there biblical material that will help us 
to um, guide people into spiritual disciplines for the reason of strengthening their faith. Because that's really, the spiritual disciplines, that phrase is actually coined more recently. Mm. But believers from the moment they receive Christ, they've been, when you talk about prayer, that's a spiritual discipline. When you talk okay. about fasting, that's a spiritual discipline. When you think about worship, so um, people have been doing that all along because that's what you do in your practice of your faith and your religion. Uh, in recent times, and recent times being maybe perhaps in the last few decades, it has become a more standardized. And even the phrase spiritual disciplines, there's books written on this that you can you know read further and explore further. Uh, so now it's becoming more important, particularly this, I want to be very emphatic here, particularly for people that see themselves in a pulpit ministry, mm. whether it's preaching, teaching, uh, evangelism, missionary work, um, uh, people that see themselves with a microphone in their hand and 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 are pastoring a church, for example, there's no way you can be effective. There's just no way you can be effective and have longevity unless you're able to one understand spiritual disciplines and be a constant practitioner. Mm. And spiritual discipline, simply what it is, is the intentional practices or habits that Christians engage to strengthen and cultivate their their relationship with God and also to grow in faith. It's intentional. It doesn't happen by osmosis or it doesn't happen because, you know, someone else can't do it for you. It's you intention. There's plenty of scripture to to describe this, you know, uh, but that's basically what, in a case, that's what it is. It's uh, uh, actions that you take intentional practices, habits that you, uh, uh, and even rituals that you get involved with with, to grow your relationship with God, to engage that relationship and cultivate it into, uh, with God, and then to grow in faith. So let's go into the origins. Where do we get these uh, spiritual disciplines and, yeah, where does it come from? Very good. Again, as I stated previously, um, every faith tradition in the history of mankind has had some level of these spiritual disciplines. Some have many more and some have fewer. Mm. So I'm going to get in a a few moments, I'll get to the ones that I think are are ultimately important. And by the way, the ones that I practice, because I think that would be a good framework. That doesn't mean you have to do it the way I do it or Mm. what I do, but understand the concept. But if you look at at the Bible, for example, you'll find, for example, Jesus himself. So I, I don't know if we can go with a better example than that. I mean, we <laughs> certainly can go into the Old Testament and find people that took time out to pray and to seek God and to be, uh, you know, to be sheltered in a in a, in a place uh, uh, for the the sake of evolving spiritually and connecting with God, going up to the mountain, all of that. We can go that, but. Mm. I don't think we can go further that, you know, Jesus will be enough. enough an example. <laughs> so even Jesus did it. <laughs> even Jesus, exactly. And that's that's a good statement you just made. Even Jesus did it. So that, mm. that highlights the importance of spiritual discipline because mm. yeah. he found it necessary. And we find, when, you know, when he went, for example, back, I can't help but you know, reference uh, the most recent Christian event that, that we're celebrating or remembering, and that's Holy Week. He took time out to pray in Gethsemane, mm. took time out. And yes, he went with a group, and then if you read it further on, that, that that narrative, then he goes further away from the disciples. And that's the whole thing where the disciples fell asleep. And we're going to talk about that with regard to spiritual disciplines, I okay. hope. Um, so he went off on his own. So that's an important example that we mm. see that he went there to pray and talk with the Father because of what was ahead of uh, you know the, uh, his ultimate death. And he knew that it was coming. The other one that before that event, 
When Jesus went off to the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, that one he went on his own and he fasted and prayed. And that's when he had that battle with the enemy, right? The, yes. yeah. He came in and says, if you're really the son of God, do this and do that and all that. And then Jesus ended up um, having victory after 40 days of fasting. But important note with regard to spiritual disciplines. So Jesus is in the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights, fasting and praying, he has this battle now with the powers of darkness. He wins the battle. But at the end of that whole um, uh, passage, if you read it, it says that Jesus was totally exhausted because he was hungry mm-hmm. and he was depleted. And then and then he was ministered by angels and heavenly beings that came down to minister strength unto him. Mm-hmm. The important lesson that we learn from that is that spiritual disciplines will drain you it will cost you. It is not going to be a party. <laughs> it's not going to be a banquet. It's not going to be a celebration. It is very difficult. That's why the word discipline and discipline, just like when you're exercising, right? When you go running, uh, no pain, no gain is what they say when you start right. exercising. Yeah. Right? Um, there is a price to be paid. So I don't want to uh, present the notion that this is easy peasy. It's going gonna, it's gonna to flow like osmosis. No, 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 no. On the contrary, you have to be intentional you have to be dedicated, and I'll get to that at the very end. We'll talk about you know what what things to expect. Um, um, so Jesus is a perfect example of where it all started. And of course, then we see the disciples later on. They would close themselves off, and they would go off to pray. Um, one of the things that I had mentioned during Holy Week, which I think is is good to mention right now, is um, when we think about the sermon of the of the the seven phrases that were spoken right from mm-hmm. the cross. Yeah, that's not part of the Bible in the sense of there are no seven sermons to preach, mm. and Jesus didn't say preach these seven words. That came about because some Peruvian monks, right? They were uh, there was a, a, a huge uh, earthquake in Peru, and now they were cut off from the village. And so now they're in this mountain cut off. They couldn't get by because the, the, the earthquake blocked all the roads. And so they decided part of their meditation and prayer was to simply study the scenes of the cross and what Jesus said there. Mm. And from there, all of a sudden, the Sermon of the Seven Words came out. And then Catholicism accepted that as part of their liturgy. Later on, evangelicals or Christians ended up accepting it as well. And today we have what we highly revere, the, the, the Good Friday sermons of, of uh, the seven words. But in reality, it wasn't, it wasn't in that order presented by anyone. It was simply these monks, these Peruvian monks that were up there in their spiritual disciplines. And the point I want to make there is that spiritual dis- disciplines evolve us to a place where we are able to see more clearly, understand more deeply, Mm. um, even the word, even ourselves, and how it relates to us as the example that I just mentioned with the Peruvian monks. Yeah, no, that's a great example of, yeah, it's not like part of the plan with Jesus being crucified was to do a a, a seven-point right. sermon. Correct. Like, I, I'm sure that was the last thing on his mind. Correct. But, uh, uh, but through spiritual disciplines, there is this inspiration from God to craft what we now reference for the seven phrases. And, and, and the point, a good point to make here, because I know I'm speaking to pastors and leaders as well, mm. some of your best sermons are going to come out 
out of the action, out of your spiritual discipline. The results of spiritual discipline. Yeah. yeah. Some okay. of your best uh, discoveries. It, they and worship is good. We can clap. We can sing. All of that is wonderful. All is you know. And eating churches. That's basically the we should add eating as part of the spiritual disciplines because yeah. we eat all the time, right? That's wonderful. We need to have that koinonia, that interaction with people. But unless there is an intentional separation, so that you can hear what the Lord is telling you in your heart, so that your spiritual eyes can be open, so as you read scripture, it becomes alive, so that you understand how to not only lift the intent of the author from scripture, but how it can apply to the people sitting there in the audience every Sunday. Those come, you know, those things happen as a result of spiritual disciplines. And I, and I want to hit that very hardly right now, because when you hit a, a, blow, a roadblock in preaching, because it happens, uh, it is not time to sit there and gloat and say, oh my goodness, what's the, I don't have a sermon. Let me pick up a sermon that I preached you know, four years ago. Nobody will notice. No, it's time to actually get deeper into spiritual disciplines because then I believe, and it's happened to me. I've been pastoring for a long time. So I, it, that's where the Lord reveals to you. And all of a sudden things become you know, clearer because that's what spiritual disciplines do. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So let's start breaking down some of the more specific ones. You've already mentioned, you know, with with, with uh, the discussing the reference of Jesus and what he was exercising and practicing. Prayer seems to be one of them. Actually, I think our previous episode is about prayer, so that might be something for people to check out if they want to dive into that one specifically. Um, fasting is another one. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the other spiritual disciplines that we should be exercising? Yeah, and, and again, I'm going to list some that work for me. Some, and it's quite a few, some uh, people listening to us, you may not have this whole comprehensive list. Also, we have mm-hmm. to take into consideration people's uh, you know, responsibilities, work, and all that stuff. Uh, but when it comes to prayer, I don't want to um, uh, belittle the spiritual discipline of prayer by simply saying that's one of them. Mm-hmm. I want to, on the contrary, challenge you, listeners right now, to explore a bit more deeply what is prayer. And we did do a podcast on this because I thought it was important. If your prayer is simply a to-do list, Lord, I need you to do this, I need you, that is not really the prayer of spiritual discipline. That's a child speaking to their father so that Mm -hmm. the father can meet their needs. And that's okay. I'm not criticizing that. My observation with prayer is differently when it comes to a spiritual discipline. It's going before the Lord without an agenda, without a plan. And simply having a conversation with God and for the sake of you deepening the relationship with him. That's what it's about. And so I encourage it. So prayer, yes, is definitely one of the one of them. It's that uh, uh, two way interaction that uh, we have with God, our creator, not just with him, but also him speaking into our hearts. And, you know, that that just if you really think about it, that just seems so obvious. Communication is key for every relationship. You know, so it would make sense that if we're tr- if the purpose of spiritual disciplines is to deepen our relationship with God, communication with God is definitely key. So I appreciate you pausing on the prayer point because you're right; it isn't something we should just be passive about. You should understand the value of and importance and significance of it because, yeah, that communication is key. It, it, it I get this uh, image of my head in my head of people who are quote unquote friends that you rarely ever talk to right. and then out of nowhere after years and months hey they 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 hit you up with a favor <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know so yeah, it's yeah. like and some people have that prayer life with god where it's like they don't really talk but then when they hit a a hard time that's when they, they engage really pray. in yeah. that prayer that is not know? the prayer i'm talking about right, the prayer right. i'm talking so. about the prayer i'm talking about um includes listening mm. 
So you're 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 speaking to God, you're praising Him, you're going following. And and by the way, everyone needs to learn how to pray. Did not the disciples ask Jesus teach us how to pray? So right. you know, I I want the audience to understand. You're not standing alone when you say I don't know how to pray, but it's reaching out to God, recognizing His awesomeness. Um, you know, uh, uh, pray and then stopping in some segment in the prayer to just listen. And I don't mean listen with the human ears, listen to the whisperings of God in your heart. Mm. Very, very important. And then the other thing is when we talk about prayer, people think, well, you know, I, I guess I have to pray an hour in order to really be holy. I really, oh, oh, oh. it is, God is not interested in the length of time. It's He's looking more at how profoundly and intimate in your conversation with him, you can be. That's what it is. He's not after the length of time. He's not after the clock. He's after your heart. <laughs> That's what it amounts to. And oftentimes we think, and I'm not advocating pray less. I'm advocating pray more, but let's make sure we understand prayer. Let's make sure that it is not a time for us to babble on. I read a book where they said that the prayer is sometimes the babbling on of whatever is in your mind. No, 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 no. It, it, it should be intentional. It, it can have requests, but it cannot only be requests. It cannot only be requests. And as you stated, and it can't be to communicate with God only because the world has turned upside down. Yeah. It should be a spiritual discipline, just like an exercising. And that's a, in fact, there's a word in Greek, it's a gumnazo. Ex- exercise yourself unto holiness. Mm. So the f- purpose of prayer is to connect with God, to get myself stronger with him, that relationship to listen to what he whispers in my in my heart, but then to be consistent, and I believe in praying and talking to God every single day as often as you can, and for the length of time that you need to talk to Him, right? Um, but it has to be intentional. So praying for Him, this is a song we say, right? In the good times and the bad times, praise His name. So we have to pray when things are going well, but then when things are going wrong also, but. The point is it has to be part of our regular lifestyle, to use to coin a word. The second spiritual discipline that that I incorporate even in my own life is, is Bible study or Bible reading. Mm. And we understand that we coin this phrase so often, a faith comes by hearing yeah. the word of God. And so, but um, on this one, with regard to the scripture, if, if I'm receiving faith, I'm also receiving revelation or illumination is a better word that I like to use rather than revelation, um, illumination from scripture, then we have to there also be intentional. And this is a critical one now because uh, most people, studies have showed that most people don't really spend much time reading. Hmm. They'll listen to uh, a podcast, for example, <laughs> They'll listen to somebody speaking, and the attention span of people is usually about six to eight minutes mm. in segments. If you watch commercials on TV, that's usually what they do every six minutes to 12 minutes. They break into commercial because pe- uh, people's attention span. It applies also in spiritual discipline. So when we read the scripture, the question there often becomes, which scripture do I read? Which version? I'm of the inclination, just read. Pick one. Yeah. You know, yeah. pick one. Don't don't spend your life trying to figure out which version I'm going. Unless you've studied deeply in seminary, that you're very well versed in the original languages, right? Because the, the the answer, the correct answer from the academic world is the version to read is original language. So you read the Old Testament in Hebrew, and read the New Testament in Greek and Aramaic, right? We don't do that, right? Yeah. But pick one. And yeah. and and I and here on this on this point, I want to make the the uh, I want to emphasize, pick one and don't criticize the others. 
Because mm. the different, there's v- so many. Right now on your phone, there are so many versions of scripture. Just read it. Yeah. Whichever one it's going to be. Now, I have in my own personal journey, because I'm a pastor, I usually jump around with versions of scripture simply because I usually preach from the NIV, New International Version, both in Spanish and English. I'll use that or I'll use in Spanish some of the um, more contemporary versions of scripture. Mm. But because spiritual discipline is to feed me, I don't want to think that I'm preparing for, subconsciously, to think that I'm preparing for sermon by reading the NIV Mm. in my own personal Bible study. So I'll jump, I'll read uh, Eugene Peterson's The Message, I'll read the Living Bible, and I don't jump around, you know, like I just said a few moments ago, jump around back and forth in the same session, but there'll be weeks, months, and maybe even years that I'll read one particular version of scripture other than the one I'm using to preach or teach. Yeah. Because with me, the way my mind works, I'll subconsciously think I'm preparing for a sermon or preparing to teach. And that is not the reason of this spiritual discipline is, again, it's intentionally to strengthen my relationship with God and intentionally to strengthen my faith. It is not about the congregation. It is about me. And so in reading, uh, um, you have to read. That's just <laughs> bottom line is that you have to read. Or now we have the luxury of listening. So you on your phone, you can do the audio of scripture, but every day you must be fed at some point. Now, it's the consistency that you're trying to exactly, emphasize. Yeah. Exactly. And again, I'm speaking in general, but I'm also speaking more specifically to people that are pastors and, and leaders and, and, and speak often yeah. in front of an There's audience. There's a greater responsibility when Absolutely. you're in that position. Absolutely. Right. And I'm not saying something that I, I I don't do it. I think it's very important that you get into the Word. I mean, it makes sense. You don't want to, you don't, again, I keep as you're talking, the yeah. constant in- image in my head is physical exercise. Yeah. Right. And 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 with with that point that you just made, why would you pay a trainer to train you to be physically fit? Meanwhile, they're severely overweight. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> you or know, don't do the they're, exercise. They're not actually doing the exercise That's and, true. and 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 applying those physical exercises and those disciplines in their own lives. It's it's so that it makes total sense. And then even with the consistency thing, you know, it's. With, with the metaphor of, of physical exercise. Yeah, it's great. You're excited to be a runner now, but you've never really ran before. Don't jump into a marathon. Yeah, you know true. what I mean? It's like true. start with it's something true. at a slower pace, you know, shorter distance, and the key is consistency. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're hitting it right on the head, and that's exactly right. Um, the other thing with Scripture that comes up when Scripture reading is people say, well, how much Scripture should I read? Mm. In a way, that's the wrong answer. You're not reading to put away verses and chapters. I mean, all right, right yes. It, it, mathematically, if you read three chapters, approximately three chapters of Scripture every single day, more than likely in that year, you'll have read through the, the entire Bible. Mm. Don't approach it that way. Mm. Do not approach it that way. Back to my example. And again, I've been doing this for... And, and by the way, I will continue to do this even when the moment comes when I'm no longer in pa- no longer pastoring because it makes me a better man, better father, better grandfather, better husband, better person. It just does because your faith is strengthened. So it has, in a way, has nothing to do with me being a pastor. I think that I've gotten to a place now where I realize the importance of being fed uh, through spiritual disciplines. So back to how many verses of Scripture do you read? I, here's what I do. Sometimes... There are days when I read, and I'll read to three or four chapters of Scripture right away. And then the next day I'll start reading all over because I read every single day. And for me, it's mornings better than in the evening because, uh, you know, you have to also gauge 
how where you're more functional. I'm more functional in the morning, so I do my reading early in the morning. The city is asleep, and you know I do my reading there, and it and it, it nourishes me. But here's here's what I do. So there may maybe a day that I'm reading, I don't know three or four chapters, and if I do that, that means in six months I'll read the whole word. But that's not the point. The point is again strengthening my relationship with God, and strengthening my faith. There are also times in my reading of scripture on that spiritual discipline that I'll get stuck on one verse for days, for weeks. And I keep rereading that verse again because it's, you know, it's like a fountain feeding you. And so it speaks so much, maybe bringing conviction, maybe bringing correction, maybe an an area that's a sore spot in your, in your spiritual temperament, if you will, that needs some adjusting. You know, so I've I've had that happen to me. I put the brakes, and not only put the brakes, but I parked the car <laughs> and turned it off <laughs> because I'm stuck on that particular verse or story, and I'll stay there. I'll give you an example, one one that even today I still do that when I'm reading the prodigal son story because that's a that's a story in scripture that really has spoken to me. And I I read Henry Nouwen's um, you know book on the prodigal son. I have in my office. The picture, the rem, a, a, a copy of the Rembrandt picture, because it reminds me of the position in family from the two sons. Um, when I go to that, it always happens to me. When I finally get to that passage of scripture, I end up staying there for a few days and just mm-hmm. letting it marinate, marinate in my spirit, marinate in my heart, because it has. And there's certain certain vignettes of scripture that do that to me. The other thing with reading scripture is um, uh, people say, well, "Well, where do I start?" Right, and some folks will always want to start at the beginning of Genesis. That's cool. That's all right. Start start at Genesis and go in an expository way, you know, verse by verse, idea by idea, chapter by chapter, all the way till you get to Revelation. That's fine. Hmm. My point here again is just get started. Yeah. Don't listen to this podcast and at the end say I have to do that, and then the day finishes and you didn't do it. Start today, and and, and again, it could take you a few minutes. It could take you a few hours. It depends upon where you are in your day, you know. So reading scripture is very important. And then remember that that's the word of God. We look at it as the word of God. So God is speaking to mankind, but more specifically speaking to you. So let him speak to you as you read scripture. Well, you know, the that's reminding me of what you um, encourage your congregants to do in your church with um, following the Bible, the daily Bible readings from, uh, what is it, the American Bible Society yes, that they yes. put it out for free. It's on their website. Yes. Um, they make it very easy, and, and it's and it's nice because it's not reading that much scripture. I mean, it is a good chunk of, you know, it's a good passage, but it isn't too much. They give their insight, and they even end it with a, with a prayer to help guide you through reading the Bible. And even if that's too much, to me it sounds like, you can almost even just go with one verse a day. Yes. If if yes. if that's all you can do, yes. it's, it's not necessarily the quantity of of reading you do. It's the quality of of what you're getting from it. Like you said, how you park on you can park on one verse or a passage and just stay there for a while and it could digest be, it. It could be one verse that you repeat reading it every week, once right. a week. Yeah. The point is to get that inside of you, to get that spiritual exercise from spiritual disciplines that is only going to strengthen your relationship with God and strengthen your faith. The thing is to engage, get in it. Yes, and in our church, we use the American Bible Society Daily Bible Reading Plan. There are many out there. Yeah. In fact, 
the listeners right now, you probably have a plan already on your phone that you can yeah, access right away. An app or something. But <laughs> engage it, engage it. Mm-hmm. The the key there is to read, to read, to get. And the good thing about the the one that we're on is that we're because we're a you know, congregation that's not only Spanish but we also have a, an English congregation. Everybody can read the same passages every single day, mm-hmm. the entire church. So we're on the same playing field. And by the way, that also helps in our preaching schedule and our uh, when, we, when I'm doing a series. Oftentimes, as the Lord would lead, we would have a series based on the Bible reading that we had, uh, the, the the assigned reading. Very, very important, and really no excuse not to do it. And again, I want to hit this again because I hear it. I've been pastoring a long time. I hear you want. You feel your call to pass. You feel to go be in leadership. This is not an option. Mm. Spiritual disciplines are not an option. I was one time years ago invited to be part of a group of pastors. It has to be about 15, maybe 20 years ago, a group of pastors nationally. They were looking at how people can engage scripture more, right? And they quickly kicked me off the panel. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> because, and, and you know, I mean, there's certain things that I, I just... I don't want to say that I was innocent in asking. There was intention in asking. When they were saying, well, you know, that the studies came back about the number of congregants and, and the, the amount of time they spend in reading scripture, right? Mm, okay. And it was some ridiculous number. I don't remember it right now because it was like 15 or 20 years ago. My question was simple. Do we have also a sampling of how much scripture pastors read every day? Mm. <laughs> And where, si- where is that analysis? There was silence, <laughs> just like a, we just had a, a second there of silence wow, in the meeting, yeah. and they didn't invite me back. But that's cool. That's fine. I was making my point, but I'm making my point because I know what I do. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and now we're talking so emphatically about engaging people, engaging scripture, when in reality, if we're not, if I have to be an example to my congregation in every area, in prayer, in Bible study, and even in the next one, the next spiritual discipline that I want to touch on. Yeah, let's do it. Fasting. Fasting. Oh no, I'm Fasting. hungry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Fasting. Yeah, let's do it. You know, and and again, we we regularly fast in the church. I believe that that fasting is part of not only the Christian t- tradition, but if you look at all religious traditions of faith. Uh, in mankind, mm. everyone has some level of fasting, and fasting is very important. I think even science says, you know what I mean? Like as far as just the health benefits too, I think even from a very non-religious perspective, even fasting is is uh, highlighted as There's some important. medical conditions that they tell you to actually diet, which is another word, kind of could be another word for fasting, mm. and give your uh, digestive system a break. In fact, the very English word, mm. break fast mm, break fast break fast and that word if you look at the history of that word you have breakfast not at 12 noon or in the evening or as a snack before you go to bed you have breakfast when you wake up in the morning because when you're sleeping you're not eating so you're fasting so you break the fast by having breakfast mm. so it's part of our language uh, the thing is it has to be part of our disciplines disciplines yeah you know and it and 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 when you couple this is another thing that i rediscovered and i apply it all the time now when you couple fasting the discipline of fasting with the discipline of prayer together there's definitely going to be breakthrough mm-hmm. definitely going to be breakthrough so and again we're, we're not going to give enough time to each one of them because there's several but you need to consider them i would encourage people to look more deeply into the area of fasting because some right away is going to be well what do you fast you know what kind of fast is it daniel fast is it on no meat is a uh, again we can we can dissect each one of these disciplines to a, a level that we don't even engage it any longer 
My point here is fast. Maybe one meal a day to start off. Maybe uh, just give up uh, uh, coffee or soda or sweets or bread uh, for a while as you because you also have to develop these these in you so that you can ultimately fast. Fast is is food. Some people say, well, I'm going to fast. I, we had a person that, that said, I'm going to fast, you know, uh, uh, social media. Oh, that's not really a fast. Oh, I'm going to fast my children. <laughs> <laughs> that's not really a fast. Wow. <laughs> a fast is directly related to food. Okay. So you just have to stop. And you, and you say, well, I can't. You can. You can. Maybe you can't uh, do a cold turkey in the sense of just jumping into a full fast, but certainly you can develop into a fast. And when someone's fasting, what should their focus be? So obviously they're, they're literally sacrificing food. Yeah. But where are they now shifting? The, the focus that they would have had on food, how, how, where is that focus going? Great question. The, the, all the disciplines point us to how we defined it. It really is to, once again, cultivate that relationship with God. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. Yeah. It isn't really about putting your prayer requests it's really about cultivating that relationship with God and then building your faith. Mm-hmm. It has really nothing to do with food in the sense of eating or not eating. It really is about you and you're saying, well, yeah, but we're living in a period of grace. We don't have to be sacrificing ourselves for anything. Okay, keep going the way you're going. I've seen major, major changes and transformative moments when our church, we fast every January like many churches do for the whole month. And I've seen transformative things happen because we were fasting before the Lord. And the other thing, with, and there's quite a bit of information on fasting in the Bible. You don't fast so people can feel sorry for you because you now you're looking glum and you're looking all dejected <laughs> and you can tell that you haven't had you know, food in a long time or you want to tell people your story of you know, these stomach pains. The stomach pain should remind you that you were praying. Mm. The stomach pain should remind you, you why you're doing this, mm. you know? And if we and if we do not fast then because we you know we can't do without eating, then your master is your stomach. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I can't say it. I can't even say that diplomatically. <laughs> it's, yeah. the, it's the truth. So spiritual discipline of fasting, you have you cannot go in and out of a year without having spent some time fasting. You can't face a major decision, buying a house, selling a house, dealing with family issues without separating some time for prayer, fasting, Bible study. And even in the fasting experience, it's prayer included because these are cumulative. So during your fasting time, you're, you're praying. During your fasting time, you're reading scripture. And during your fasting time, you, we can even go to the next one where you're actually meditating. Mm. Because you don't just read scripture, for example. You don't just fast for the sake of, okay, I'm going to sit in the room, my hands crossed, and let me listen to my stomach growl. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that sounds like torture. (laughs) Uh, It does, yeah, it does. Or maybe for other people, torture. Uh, But you want to be able to, and meditating means, a a word that I like to use when you talk about meditating, It's and it's not even a spiritual word, but uh, it's marinating. Hmm. What the Lord has said to you or is showing you or is impressing in your heart, let's pause for a moment. And I'm a New Yorker, so we run a, a, a life at 150 miles an hour. But when the Lord is dealing with you in some area or strengthening you or stretching you in one area, you almost have to pause and stop and look at that issue, that item, that matter that the Lord has placed in your heart from various angles. You know, when you're going to purchase something, you don't just buy it by one dimensionally that you're just seeing it from one side. You, when you're buying a suit, you hold it in the hanger, you turn it around, you put the suit on, right? And then they have all these f- funny mirrors that make you look thinner and all that stuff and greater. Mm. And then you go and you circle, you're, you're posing in there, you're looking. Same thing with spiritual truths. When the Lord is speaking into your heart. You have to stop and let it marinate, let it sink in. 
Be still and know that I am God. There so you that's go. That's what's coming to mind. The, there you the go. Psalms. Phili- uh, is it Psalms or Philippians? It's Psalms. Psalm. Be still and know that I am <laughs> God. Yeah, yeah. To stop the activity. And that's tough to do when you're in an urban setting, when you're in the city that never sleeps, you yeah. know, when you're, or whatever. And especially when you're running in a, in a problem that you want to resolve, you want a microwave answer. Stop. Pause. Meditate. Reflect. Yeah. The other one, the fifth one that I, that I talk about as well is worship. And this is interesting too, because I, I believe worship is really not a corporate experience. Worship is really a personal devotion that you have before the Lord. So you can stand with a crowd and be praising. And there's a difference between praising and worship because you can actually praise evil things. Mm. You can applaud things that are demonic. You know, So it isn't just praising. Worship is then, here's how I look at worship. Worship is when I see myself with all my limitations, right? With all my human inclinations, standing before the exact opposite, an awesome God, Mm. incredible, pure in every sense of the word, and he doesn't strike me dead. Mm. (laughs) That moment Mm. there, when there you are with all your frailties before an awesome God, not a congregation, not a group, but rather you individually. I submit to the audience today that oftentimes that is not where we are. We end up, we end up praising. We get, end up getting effervescent and excited about the song. And we like the rhythm and all that. And that's, that's, that's fine. I love it too. I love it too. I love it too. But worship takes me right to the place of holiness, right to the presence of the Lord to stand before him. And as we read in scripture to be undone Mm -hmm. by him so that he can mold us. Almost worship is you place yourself on the potter's wheel and let his hands begin to touch you and mold you and shape you. That's a bit more intimate. That's a bit more personal. That's certainly individual, but it has to be yeah. intentional. And it's it's a place of transformation. And I, I think oftentimes, we may even be do a podcast on this, on the distinction between worship and praise, because oftentimes we mix both. Mm. you know. And worship is a very intimate, active, dynamic a moment where you stand as a frail human being before an infinite God and you walk away alive, you know, because our, 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 our depraved nature is the qualifier alone for God to snuff us out. Mm. And yet because of his grace, we stand in there. That's why people weep. That's why I weep when I'm in worship, when I realize, my goodness, I'm standing before, you know, his holiness, his majesty and he allows me to do that. So that's a kind of a different way of looking at it, I, I would I would assume. But that's certainly a, a spiritual discipline. That brings me to a side point. If Can I do a side point yeah, for a moment here? of course. Of course. That's why I don't, th- now with those, all this COVID stuff, people need to get back to church. Hmm. And I'm not saying that as a pastor. I'm saying that as a, as a, a fellow sojourner with all everyone listening to me right now. Because it is, it is very difficult to be able to experience that intimacy with God when you're by yourself with all the distractions of cell phone, people talking on the other side of the wall and, and all these things happening <laughs> yeah. in the apartments, right? The, the radiators clanking and the sirens and what. But when you get together with people and that koinonia, yeah, the, present, fellowship, yeah. the fellowship, it presents this, this atmosphere with changes. It says that God inhabits in the praises of his people. Not person. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, it's plural. Yeah, you're Yeah, it's right. plural. So we have to gather, and I want to encourage my friends, you know, wear your masks. People are not going to get upset. If that's what you feel to do, don't wear it if you don't want to. That is not the issue any longer. Yeah. You know, it's the thing that you need to be able to gather with individuals and then go into a place of praising 
and then step into the inner sanctum, which is worship. Yeah, so so let's pause here and, and review what we what we have so far. So we talked about prayer, reading the Bible, fasting, meditation, worship. You made the distinction briefly uh, between praise um, and worship. And also even to your last point, I mean, fellowship, that's also, you yeah. know, right? Gathering with the people, yeah. that is, would that be considered part of a... a which should be part of our spiritual disciplines as well? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. In fact, I intentionally was doing it this way because you, you have to have interaction. We were created to be social beings. Yeah. That, that's, we were created to be social beings. In fact, loneliness leads you to frustration, leads you to depression, and leads you to other dark situations. Yeah. The, the moment you separate, in fact, that's what, if you look at uh, uh, the animal kingdom, for example, right? Uh, the, the predator wants to separate the prey from the rest of the crowd so that then he can devour that prey. Yeah. I mean, I look at enough National Geographic to yeah. know that that's exactly... No, That'll preach, true. by the, the way. The, the prey, the, you're right, though. Prey typically, well, not all the time, but you're right. The ones that, that have that defensive strategy of gathering together, usually the predator is intimidated by the mass. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Not necessarily the one single... Yeah. You and, know, animal. And that themselves. has implications into spiritual disciplines. Mm. If you're standing by yourself and not congregating, not having what the word is koinonia, to gather for a time of fellowship, I love the way it's said. Um, uh, I can't even translate it into English, but it, it, in Spanish, it, there's a wonderful phrase that I think is even more descriptive. But anyway, let me, let me. I don't even know why I went in there because this is English language. <laughs> I mean, it's your show. So you can no, say it no, and no, help no, us no. understand it. We'll do that in the Spanish version when we <laughs> okay. start doing the Spanish podcast. Sounds good. Um, uh, but it, but koinonia, it's that fellowship. It's that entering into a corporate setting without pretensions or judgment on somebody else. Yeah, that's different. That's not standing in the platform waiting for the subway to arrive. That's not going on the line to board an airplane where you're getting with people and getting together. Right. No, it's you're getting in there without any pretenses on that individual, of uh, hierarchical pretenses without prejudices of that individual, simply to gather together because we are created as social beings. For those of us that are Trinitarians, we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in sweet fellowship together, mm -hmm. right? And so we need to see those. When we, um, in family, for example, in many cultures, definitely the Latino culture, and in many cultures, in, 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 uh, in many cultures, um, so much is resolved at the dinner table. Mm. Come over and have dinner. Let's go out and have some coffee together. People, we seek relationship. Yeah. We seek connection. So it's same thing applies. Spiritual disciplines. Be intentional in gathering with individuals, without pretenses of anything, but simply gathering with individuals. We always walk away feeling refreshed when you're in the presence of people. When you're together in a crowd, unless you have, and of course there are exceptions to everything. Unless you have some clinical problems, some clinical depression, or that you need, you need to that needs intervention. That that's different. But generally speaking, it's about one of the disasters and tragedies of this pandemic that had affected the world for almost three years was exactly that, that we weren't able to gather together. And the church needs to now be regrouping again uh, because part of our strength in the kingdom of God is to be able to interact one yeah, with the, the other. Yeah, the unity, we, we are the body of the body of Christ. It's not just one part. So, no, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Can we dive into another spiritual discipline that may people may either get excited about it or just completely disagree with it. Um, generosity giving. 
<laughs> what do you think? What do you think? Sorry for, for just throwing what that at you. I'm putting Why you did on you the prepare spot? me for with that one before we got on the air? No, no, I'm not, I'm, that's good. That's good because actually it is. Giving. I mean, I mean, it, right? I mean, I don't want to misspeak, but it is a spiritual discipline, yeah, no? It is. Yeah. But you know, oftentimes when we talk about giving, people think always about monetary stuff, mm -hmm. money. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and it includes that, but it is not just that. It's giving you know, your time, treasure, uh, your talent, right? And um, and oftentimes we park it only on tithing or on giving. And you know, the truth is, we're called to be generous yeah. in all those areas. And, you know, we cannot change the world if we're expecting someone else to spend time. Sometimes the best gift you can give someone is your time, mm. your presence. I know I've seen it often when I go visit people in the hospital, for example, or in their homes. The very fact that you carve some time in your schedule, or I did in my schedule, to go visit them, I saw it as that important. That alone becomes a soothing moment for individuals. So I think when you're talking about that, about giving and generosity, you're including all of that, which is... You know, my time um, in family, I have to make sure I take time out for my wife, my sons, my my daughter-in-law, my my grandkids, right? Because those things are irreplaceable. People will remember the moments that you spend with them. So that's part of it. Uh, your your talent and treasure as well, your talent rather, as well. I mean, there are people sitting in the pews that they can help in their church because they're experts in that area. Mm. You know, the, the let me give you an example. The church may be having difficulty with financing and how to manage that, for example. And then in the audience is someone sitting that that's their area of gifting. My goodness, yeah. be generous. Yeah, give. They're, they're, they could be a financial advisor and uh, of course and, and help. You know, consult. Yeah, you're yeah. right. And don't and and be specific. Approach the leader, the pastors. You know, I can pastor if you want. I can help in this area. You know, mm -hmm. I am or whatever. I have experience. And there's people sitting there that, you know, there's people that, that, that are very, that I knew a, a person, or I know a person, very giving in the area of evangelism. And he'll go in and he's talking to everybody about Jesus and talking to them about transformative power of God in their lives and the new life in Christ and being born again. Move in that area. Don't wait for somebody to give you a title, mm. you know, or an office. No. There's people with gifts, people that are gifted with children, with seniors. You know, we... we People that are gifted in the in, in the area of even um, uh, ushering, and not everybody can usher. Mm. You know, it's it's true. You have to be gifted in the area of being diplomatic, tactful, and dealing with individuals in the public without yeah. getting offended, without falling apart. Yeah, you know. So I think in giving, we need to be generous with not only our time and um, not only with our gifting that we have, but also with our treasure. Mm. You know, if if. Uh, you, you complain so much about giving financially, maybe the dollar is becoming your God. Mm. You know, I don't know God's math. I don't understand how God's math works <laughs> out. But I know I am better off today. My wife and I are better off today financially, and we are not even near what where I was when I was working in the corporate world 30 years ago. Can you imagine, even with inflation? I was going to say, you should kind of touch on that, you know, a little bit of your testimony, how you were, was uh, 17 years, I think you were working yeah. in, um, for yeah, IBM. Also. Yes. Yeah. So the, the, the financial potential <laughs> there, Oh yeah. I mean, it just seems so obvious, but then to retire from the, I'm telling you a story. I asked you to tell it. Go no, ahead. No, that's good. You, you know it, so you can tell it. Right? When I hear it from you, it says, boy, that was me. You know? Yeah, yeah. But no, no, it's, it's you know, and, and I don't want it to come across that I'm still stuck in Wall Street. And even though I've been, of course, no, yeah. I felt sincerely the call of God over my life and walked away from what looked like to not only was comfortable at that moment, 
but it looked very promising into the future. And no regrets, by the way, yeah. because we heard God and we moved and, on what we heard. And it's a testament to what you were just saying about God's math not making sense. It's a funny statement to say, but I think it's a, it's a good example of like, you know, if, if you to leave a corporate very secure, financially secure job. I mean, IBM is not going anywhere anytime soon, right, 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 right. <laughs> you know? So to, to leave that, you know, if you were just to look at the data, it wouldn't make sense. But yet, like, you, like you're you testifying now, you're, you know, now decades later, you feel like you're in a much better place. You're not oh, yeah. stressed out about money. You're not in some sort of deficit or anything like that. Like yeah. that's, that's a pretty powerful testimony, I think. You, you know what speaks to me these last few days? You know, uh, Dr. Charles Stanley passed away. And mm-hmm. one of the phrases that he uses often is says, um, um, I love it. He has such wonderful quotes. And, uh, and I've been a follower of Charles Stanley for a long time, read his books and all of that. And, but he makes this statement that stuck with me the last few days, talking about cycling through the same quote over and over. This mm-hmm. is one that I've been doing over the last few days since he passed away. Um, that he says, uh, just obey God. And let him deal with the consequences. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because oftentimes that's what stopped us. Trust him so much that you'll just obey him. He said, go, go. Don't mm-hmm. try to figure out all the details. And that's really, that, that that spoke to me back then so many years ago when I was at that place where I said, wait a minute, this is, this is illogical. This doesn't make sense. The math is crazy. And sure enough, the math is crazy. But why did the Lord, has why has the Lord provided for, for, for me and my family through the years? Spiritual disciplines has been part of my life. And I've taken God at his word in the area of even giving time, talent, and treasure, you know, and, and, and I don't understand God's math, but it comes back because the Bible is clear. And again, I need to fall into my understanding. In Malachi chapter three, it says that God, think about this for a moment. God will open from heaven and pour down blessings that cannot be contained. And he will also take care of the devourer. Mm. That's Malachi chapter three. Yeah, for the tither. So you know, we we, we I've I've practiced this this in my life and still practice it and will continue. Now, of course, as you because I know uh, the American population is aging right now, and and, <laughs> and as myself, and we're healthier in our in our as we get older, we're still remaining healthier than years ago. You can still be wise in managing your time so that you can give. You and I'm not just talking about giving financially, but giving in those three areas that I met, mentioned. And given, you just have to be more careful to be able to include even another discipline, which is important too, and that's rest. Mm. There's nothing illegal or anti-biblical with, in fact, Sabbath is part of God's command. Yeah. And Sabbath does not mean, as a spiritual discipline, it does not mean for me to spend time now uh, praying, seeking God, fasting. Sabbath really means rest, How whatever refreshes you. Yeah. Rest. Do less. <laughs> Do less. Yeah. And, and, you know, we know, and we go the whole thing, oh, well, God rested on, and you know, God doesn't really need rest. According to Genesis, he rested after he completed the creation journey. He doesn't need, need, need rest. I don't think he did it for him. That's mm. not including in scripture for him. That's including in scripture for us because our body needs to be refreshed. And the older you get, you need a little bit more time to be able to get back into it and to heal and to get your strength back. Yeah. But get your strength back. So Sabbath is very important. Taking time off. People that say they're workaholics, that's not biblical. Yeah. There are periods in your life where you have to work, you know, 18 hours to do whatever, but you can't run a life that way. Yeah. You just cannot run a life that way. That's a good point. I mean, even outside of faith, that's the go-to a remedy for anyone who's sick, right? Like whatever the illness or health condition is, one of the many remedies is always 
take a break, rest. <laughs> you the know? doctor says that all the time, yeah, right? And, and that's, you know, so it would make sense even from a spiritual perspective that, um, yeah, I mean, you even touched on it earlier how sometimes these things can be exhausting and it t- there's a cost sure. to exercising spiritual discipline. Sure. So it does make sense yeah. that um, part of it is also taking time to rest. And yeah. And life, life can be exhausting. Mm. Life can be exhausting. So you need to, and then please don't go down. And, and I know some of our audience, you know, well, which, which is the day of rest? Pick a day. <laughs> okay. God is not legalistic in that area. Pick a day. I mean, Christians have Sunday and, you know, others in, 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 in faith have Saturday. Well, well, pick a day and, yeah. you know, or pick a segment of time. Mm. But you cannot be running. And I, I constantly try to apply this one because I tend to be. Uh, you know, I work more hours. I'm I'm used to it, so I have to intentionally stop and do things that refresh me. You know, and I was talking to a pastor recently, and you know, he loves golf, so he goes off golfing. That's good. You know, it's good. I had a friend. I still have a friend. He's still a friend. Another pastor here in New York that um, he unplugs. You know, you're not gonna believe this. He gets on the A train, okay, with a laptop, <laughs> okay, and he rides up and down the A train for a few hours, and he's just writing stuff. Okay. So I tell him, New York refreshes you? New York subway system refreshes you? Are you kidding? And the A train refreshes you? And he says, yeah. He says, call me crazy. But he's been pastoring for 40 years, you know, and and successful and effective in every way. Um, You know, but you got to find where your groove is, you know, and, 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 and do exactly that. The key is to rest. So, you know, on that point, I kind of want to go back to something you were emphasizing before and you just touched on it a little bit just now because you made it clear earlier in this episode that spiritual disciplines are not even optional for church leadership, right? So specifically with rest, can you give some advice and some tips, some guidance on what that looks like? Because I'm right now as you're talking about it, I'm thinking, okay, Sabbath is usually Sunday, but Sunday for a pastor like you, no, it's, that's yeah. not a break no, for you. Isn't. I mean, you're that's a work day for you. If not, it's probably the most intense work day of the yes. week for you. So what does um, keeping the Sabbath, taking rest look like for someone in your position and other pastors and leaders? Yeah, on that point, you, you, you have to schedule it sometimes. Mm. And if you say to yourself, no, well, I have to be there. If you say that, I have to be there because if I'm not there, I'm going to make you uncomfortable right now, you listener. And that is then you're doing poor leadership development. Mm. The church does not stand on you being present or not being present. It should stand on the efforts of you casting vision, the efforts of you developing people that they can do it. Now, people are not going to do it the way you do it, but they're going to do it. And at the end of the day, no human being builds the church. Mm. Jesus said, I will build my church church Mm. so if you're building the church that's an offensive act toward jesus christ himself because you're taking him away from the job that he says i'm going to do Mm. how about that Mm. (laughs) so no that's a good thing to call out yeah we need to call we need to and you know if we're if we think we're that vital no 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 the continuum of time shows us everybody has a beginning and an end Mm. moses was an incredible leader but there came a moment when you know he was no longer around and we can go through the bible characters and in our lives the same way. So rest is an imperative for the health of the church. It really is. It's mm. part of, of modeling leadership development. Now, of course, you don't want to abuse it and be, get, be gone, you know, half of the year. But I believe in sabbaticals. I believe in taking breaks. I believe, but sometimes you have to schedule it and completely disconnect to the degree that you can. 
You know, that means don't go on social media. Don't track what's going on. Don't even watch your service. Go watch, so you, when you're away, you know, go watch somebody else's service. That way you don't have to say, oh, they didn't do it. The sound wasn't right. And, you know, why they do that? Why they put them to pray? None of that. You have to refresh yourself. And remember, we're under shepherds to the Lord of the church. And that means that, yes, I'm responsible and will give account to God for the church that I pastor. But at the end of the day, I don't own the church. I don't own the people. I don't own the liturgy. None of that. Um, and uh, and it's by grace that we do what we do. So I think my, my counselors definitely put it in there. Take the some people to actually take pride. Oh well, I haven't had a vacation in eight years. That's horrible. <laughs> I've heard yeah. that said. Yeah, that's horrible. Oh, you mm-hmm. know, I'm working seven days a week. My goodness. Now I know some also listen to me. You also have a secular job outside, mm. but you still can take some time off and disconnect. And you're absolutely right. Sunday is not the day to. In fact, I believe and this this may be uncomfortable for some people. I think pastors should definitely fast, mm. but not on Sunday. If at any day you need to be strong and sharp and everything working in your body, yeah. it's going to be on Sunday. Yeah. So you say, you stand up on there on Sunday. Well, I'm fasting today. That's a wrong day to fast, in my opinion, for me. For me. If mm. those listening to me do it, praise the Lord. God bless you. But not for me, not on Sundays. Now, will there be moments when I fast on Sunday? Yes, of course, when we're doing our... 21 days of fasting on, in the beginning of the year. Uh, oh, um, that's important. But rest is critical, critical. Take time off. Plan it. Don't just, you know, just leave. You, you're still responsible for the place, but plan it. Take those vacations and, you know, move away. And, you know, don't post it on Facebook or on whatever social media where you are because people will track you down. <laughs> and then you're going to say, but they keep calling me. No, because you posted it. You told everybody, don't post the pictures later on. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you get back. Um, uh, but that's, you know, a little bit of what I could say with regard to that. The other thing that's critical too is with the serving. That's very important, you know, and serving to your fullest capacity, not for the sake of getting a plaque or recognition or a service honoring what I just did. Just do it as unto the Lord. It, uh, my focus has always been, um, that everything that's done in this house is to bless God, right? And honor and serve him and worship him and celebrate him. But also it should be a blessing to the people. That's what we should do in our service, in our acts of service. Yeah. One last area uh, I would like us to, to, to discuss before we conclude, uh, spiritual disciplines in a digital age. Oh, yeah, you know, we have a lot of, you know, even right now, this podcast is a form of technology, right? It's, it's digital content that we're creating. Um, but yeah, how, 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 let's talk about, you know, the challenges and, and some advice uh, on how we can navigate, um, you know, the digital world that we exist in while still exercising spiritual disciplines. Again, I think we just have to manage it. Um, I, I do go on social media and then there's times when I don't go on social media. Um, um, and you just have to manage it because you can very easily get sucked in there and be in there forever in this metaverse, you know, in there just lost, uh, not lost in the sense of lost salvation, but lost in the sense of, you know, you're just surfing things that you don't really need to get to and it becomes a distraction, takes the place of other things. And that's from a person that I go on social media, but I know there's times when I need to shut it off, put it away, and not even bother with it anymore. Because the one of the, one of the gifts that God has given us post-COVID is actual social media. We kept the church alive, our church specifically, because we were able to then to transfer all that we were doing because now we couldn't congregate, we couldn't meet, right? But we would do it through the platforms that were available to us. And yeah. then the lesson we learned is, and that's why we're at now, 
is to expand that area because we're reaching many more people through social media than we do people sitting in, in, in seats on Sunday. So there's a good thing, like everything else. Every, you know, it's good, but you have to manage it. You can't let it overpower you. You cannot, you know, they, they said that one of the most, most hurtful things that a person can experience in society today is to lose their phone. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. really? Lose their phone? I mean, but that's true. That's how I mean, it is, yeah. yeah. It used to be keys. I don't know if you know that, but it used to be keys. Oh, where are my keys? You know, yeah. people freak out. And but now it's the phone. People freak out. I mean, when you get when you fly on an airplane, they tell you if your phone falls in the seat, don't bother getting it. Just let the attendant know, and they'll come over and help you get it. Because they people flip out <laughs> without the phone. So technology has its place, but don't let it dominate you so much yeah. that it replaces spiritual disciplines, for example, and a thing. The other thing that social media can do, and we see this now with the younger generation, but also creeping in into the older, is that it creates this thing of isolation. This disconnect from the realities around us. And we've seen this. We've seen families gathering for uh, sitting in a restaurant to eat and they're all looking at their at their cell phone. Yeah. Right. And although they are there together, they're not together. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. they're in watching different things and being and, uh, and you know, there are exceptions to this, of course, you know, some of course, yeah. So much education is happening now online and some of our children entertainment is online. But we're talking about where it creates this atmosphere of isolation, which I believe feeds into people not wanting to gather together because they're so used to being in this world, sucked into this world, young people, um, children, young people and adults as well, that um, there's no need for that connection. And as I said earlier, we're created to be social beings. So it can create this level of isolation. And for the therapists that are listening to us, and you know, isolation will birth other things, will bring frustration, will bring depression, and then we go on from there, other maladies that people end up falling into which people end up expressing on their social media accounts true very it's very common to see people sharing that type of um that's true you know those types of comments and things like that oh i'm so depressed or this and you know whatever like almost glorifying this dark place that they're in emotionally and mentally yeah we're living in an age now when people and i this fascinates me people are actually convinced that when somebody says on social media that they're their friend People actually believe that they're their friend. <laughs> you never yeah. even met the person or yeah. seen the person. And yeah. I have, you know, I have 10,000 followers. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah. What does that mean? I mean, is, that, does, that, that does, does that add value to who you are? Mm. Have you met these people? I mean, if you went into crisis, would you run to them? Yeah. You know, friends. So it's also creating this, this, this facade of 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 connecting with individuals when in reality it's not that at all. That's a that's a challenge for the future, should the Lord tarry, of how the church is going to address that. You yeah. know, and, and all this push with I mentioned the word already twice, the metaverse and all that. And it creates this thing also of, of superficiality. Hmm. Where they say they use the word friend, but they're not really I mean my definition of friend is a little bit different. It isn't uh, these connections that you have with people. That's like, you know, saying, riding the subway in New York, the subway car is full in rush hour, and you declare, I love all of you in the subway. You don't even know the people, you know? <laughs> I love all of you. Come to my house today, you know? Yeah, yeah. Superficiality, and that's becoming much more prevalent, especially with, you know, the, the other sources of media informing us and informing not only, and again, we, I can't point the finger at the younger generation. It's, it's humanity and creating this mystical, make-believe world, an, an alternate reality. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that affects people, and this could be a, a very deep discussion, 
It creates people even view of God and even view of their own walk because those things are not tangible in the sense. Your spirituality is not tangible. Yeah. Digital know? content is all curated. It's it's you're seeing the idealized version of yeah. things or people. Yeah. So it, you're right. It, it's not an accurate uh, representation of reality. It's scary, too. I just read an article where the uh, artificial intelligence is a lot more advanced than what is being promoted all around. You know, oh, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, a yeah. lot more. It's AI getting, is, is, yeah. is getting a little bit out of hand. Yeah. But I don't want to be an yeah. avatar. I want to <laughs> be. I like me. But, back, <laughs> but, but yeah, but circling back to the, the spiritual disciplines with, uh, with being in this digital age, it can easily be a distraction. But at the same time, it also feels like we can leverage it as a tool to help us yeah. as well. You yeah. know, so it's like, yeah, let's monitor it, like you said, manage it. Right. That's the that's the key thing. Manage, you know, uh, the way you consume things digitally, but also, you know, maybe even throw in some opportunities to exercise your spiritual disciplines as well. I think there's some there's some uh, a concrete advice we can give here. You know, set boundaries. Mm. Make sure that you limit yourself and your children as well. Yeah, you know, uh, create a like I said before this distancing from the, from social media, a Sabbath you may even want to call it. Um, you know, use technology intentionally. I mean, I'm a, I I can prepare my messages much more better if I'm standing in front of a computer, because you can access all this information. You know, and yeah. it's so helpful. And in a matter of minutes, you can do what in a few minutes what used to take hours before. And then be intentional that you know you you you, you manage it. To enhance your life, not to dominate your life. Mm. Not just so, not just the technology, but everything in your life. You don't want it to dominate your life. You want it to enhance your living. What I like to do also now, as we draw to a close, yes. is to give some practical advice with regard to uh, spiritual disciplines. And I, and I want to, I want all of you to remember. And this again, I practice myself. Um, spiritual disciplines are personal and individual. It's not me now calling a group of people to let's exercise spiritual disciplines. It is in my role as pastor, mm. but when you come to engaging the activity, it is personal. I often, and I do this, I've been doing this for years, I often take time by myself intentionally get myself apart. Jesus did that. He got apart from the disciples. Gethsemane is the example I used earlier. Also, when he went into the wilderness, an example there as well. You need to separate yourself from others. And that's contrary to what we said about koinonia gathering, that you have to you have to tandem both of those things, being apart, but then coming back and gathering together. So it is personal that's being apart. You have to be methodical is the second thing, second advice that I give with regard to, and what do I mean by that? Set up a rhythm that works with you. Hmm to daily be able to engage spiritual disciplines. And not everyone is the same. There's not a cookie-cutter recipe for everyone. No, you figure out yourself. Like I have said, I'm a, a morning person, so the best time for me is morning time, right? Early morning when the city's not up yet. I get it very, very early. But that might not be for everyone. Some people are, you know, night people, and they need to do it there. But set up a rhythm. Yeah, that a you routine, do. yeah. Yeah, routine. Routines are good. In fact, the word discipline implies that. It's true, right? Yes. So, uh, so you want to be not not only not only understand that it's personal, but also be methodical in what you do. That's how you do it. And on the days that you don't want to, that's the day that you need to, because that's the start of deviating away from spiritual disciplines. And uh, and realize that it's a heavy lift. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going. Oh, great! I'm going to get and go read. You know, four chapters of scripture. No, mo- most people don't announce that. You have to just go and do it. Yeah. Just do it. You know, just get, get do it. And some people say, well, that's, that's, but Pastor Mark, that's different than what you're thinking. 
what you said before. I'm not contradicting myself. You have to start somewhere. The easiest time to get healthy through exercise is the first day. Hmm. <laughs> is it not? <laughs> Yeah, because you don't have any lactic acid accumulating in your muscles. There's no pain. There's yeah, you know yeah, you don't yeah. have to. You're feeling great. And some people go, oh, today I started exercising. Today I ran a mile. Yeah, talk to me tomorrow. Or the next day. Yeah, right. exactly. So you have to think <laughs> of that. That yeah, the beginning it's a little bit easier, and and then it's, it's going to get difficult, and then it's going to get very hard, and then it's going to become a very big lift. Yeah, but it, it's an imperative. You have to. So it's personal. It's methodical. You need to be consistent. You need to be that, and that's the term, the Greek word gumnazo. It's uh, exercising yourself to holiness. It has to be part of the rhythm and the and and the consistency of what you do, regardless. And I said that a little bit. And then the fourth thing about spiritual discipline is remember and keep in mind that you are more than just maturing, because there's almost a beginning and an end to that term maturing. I like using the word evolve. Mm. You're evolving. It's not only when you exercise uh, spiritual disciplines. You will become a better person. You will become more patient. You'll become a better spouse, a better human being, a better neighbor. It just It's going to happen because everything sprouts from our spiritual condition. So if we're spiritually healthy, in every area we're going to be better. Not only will you get, for example, let me give you an example. Not only will it, will it, it, it helps you to have clarity when you read scripture, that's spiritual discipline. But by the way, when you start reading now and studying, you may be able to go back to school now because now your brain is, you know, when you fast, you're getting rid of all these toxins that are inside of you, right, that stop you from evolving. And in evolving, you're always, always growing. You never stop growing. The moment that you stop evolving is the moment when you start, you need to start planning your transition into heaven, Mm. you know, evolving. I read an article this, this morning about a man that is 109 years old. There's nothing wrong with him. He doesn't exercise or anything. But he has these key things in his life that he always does. Mm. And he's 109, completely healthy, lives on his own here in New Jersey, <laughs> lives on his own. Is He drives and everything. I mean, he's, he's my role model today. <laughs> 109 years old. And he's not thinking of the end. He's thinking about living in the now, which is another thing. We have to stop this thing about living in the past, getting cu- uh, caught up in the past, Right. And also worrying so much about the future. We, we got to be present in the present. Yeah. And, and the present is a present, is a gift. There's yeah. a book written that, The Precious Present. So we have to live in the now. That will help us then to be able to continue to evolve and let the evolving happen, happen at God's pace over our lives. That's my advice to the people uh, here today with regard to spiritual disciplines. I know there's a whole bunch more that we can talk about. Um, uh, you have to, you, my, my final, final, final statement is engage today in this, in spiritual disciplines. That's great. Thank you so much, Dr. Mark, for, for tackling this, uh, very important topic about spiritual disciplines and how we can apply them in our lives today. Um, to all our listeners, please check out, we have, uh, previous episodes where we discuss the church, um, so that might be a good one if you want to dive deeper into fellowship and gathering. We have another episode about the Bible. Very good episode. I actually like that one a lot. Not that I don't like the others, but <laughs> that one was a fun one to do because it was very interesting on how you broke down the Bible. And anyways, I don't want to give too much away, but our, our listeners should check that out if they haven't. And then our last episode was about prayer as well. And and yeah, I mean, stay tuned with our, with us. We're going to definitely cover, I'm sure, more of the specifics of, uh, of the different types of each uh, spiritual disciplines. Like you said, there's a yes. lot more. So yeah, to our listeners, please stay tuned, stay connected with us as we uh, 
we dive into that into future episodes. Any other last thoughts before we officially sign off? You know, this has been, this is a great experience for me. It really is. I am not just sharing my own experiences, if you will, but it's also enriching me to be able to go back and look at this. And even this interaction that I'm having with you and some of the feedback we've been getting from some of our listeners too is so encouraging. And that's, you know, that brings us a sense of joy and satisfaction into my heart. So thank you so much for joining in and I wish you all the best always. Awesome. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Seek and Find with Dr. Mark Rivera. Thank you for listening and God bless.